Hello and welcome back to the Back at Hanlon podcast. First of all, I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has listened in so far. I hope you've been enjoying the episodes. Today's guest is a good friend of mine, a wonderful lady known as Pamela Ballantyne. I hope you enjoy the episode. I can feel it, there's something in the water. Anything is possible. Thanks for coming, Pamela. A pleasure, Drew. It's, it's, it's actually, it's very weird for me. I am always much happier asking the questions than having questions asked of me, so this is very strange. Okay. Well, <laughs> just tell me a little bit about how you started your career and following on from that, how you got into TV. Well, actually, I've been in the media for my entire working life. I started when I was 19 as um, a private secretary in downtown radio. I was secretary to the head of programmes and all the disc jockeys. And downtown radio was very much in its infancy when I started. It was only, I think, two, three years old. Um, So everybody did everything. You worked and if if a job had to be done, you helped out. So say I worked for the... The head of programs and all the DJs and I even you know, of a Monday morning I could be found in the engineering department because I knew how to wire plugs and yes. things but also my boss was um, meticulous and he loved radio and he would get a lot of questions from people about how do you build your own transmitter and things right so he would reply to those and I had to do the shorthand and take down you know the letters uh-huh. and he quite often would do them on a Friday afternoon so I would come in on Monday morning to type them up. But my shorthand wasn't, well, it, was, it was fine. Yeah. But I relied more on memory than actually reading back what the shorthand was. So I would spend a lot of time in the engineering department going, okay, if this is the sentence, what word is missing out here? <laughs> Fill it in for me. So, because uh, I had never learned in, in the College of Business Studies, I didn't learn the shorthand symbol no. for coaxial cable, things no. like that. Okay. So anyway, I was, Filling in also, I would help out um, with the DJs and Linda Jane, God rest her, was working there and she would phone me up and say, Pommy, would you come down and push the buttons? I need to nip to the loo. But Linda had a tendency to meet somebody in reception and forget she was on air. So I would end up sitting in the chair, pushing the buttons and then every now and then I would just open the mic and say, this is, that was, and I would do Linda Jane impersonations. Very good. In fact, I did her programme one day for half an hour and her dad didn't even know she wasn't in. And uh, then they, they offered me a, a, my own programme at five o'clock in the morning. Right. So I was still, I, I'd moved on to the features department as a production assistant at this stage. So I would go in at 4.30 every morning and present my programme from five o'clock to seven o'clock. Then I would prepare the next day's programme as much as I could. And then I would start work and I would work up until lunchtime. Very good. You remind me a little bit of back at hand because Darren, who's my marketing guy, does everything as well. And I think everybody has to do everything when you're starting to build. Well, build can, a, can, build I, can I also say, Drew, I'm very impressed. You made the coffee this morning. I did. Yes. So and thank not, you. There's not, there's not many bosses do no, that. No, no. Darren, did you get coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if we did or not. Uh, leading on from that, Pamela, who would be the most interesting person you've worked with over the years? Oh, as in somebody I might have interviewed or... Maybe or interviewed or met. Even, or well, you know, th- there are so many people I've interviewed that have made an impression on me, but also people I worked with yeah. who, who were so good to me in my career. There was a, a managing director that I had in downtown radio yeah. called Ivan Tinman. And while I was doing my five o'clock in the morning program, the head of 
uh, BBC Northern Ireland, BBC, he, he was looking, he was going and driving into work. He knew he had a job vacancy coming up and he heard my programme right. and he got in touch and asked me to come for an audition. And I went to my MD and I said, look, Radio Ulster have been in touch. I just want you to know. And he went, well, thank you for telling me. Good luck with the audition. So then I was offered the job and I said, right, this, I've been offered the job. And my boss said, as your managing director, I will say we've invested a lot in you because they'd sent me to London to broadcasting college for three months. Um, he said, we've invested a lot in, in you and I, have a, I see a great future for you. And I, we want you to stay at Downtown Radio. But as your friend, Pamela, if you don't take that job, you'll regret it. So go <laughs> well, for it with my blessing. Well, and that, that, I thought, was that was a brilliant thing for him to do. That was a brilliant thing. That was a, a real opening for you as well. Totally. Yeah. And, 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 but when it comes to interviews, the, the people that I've met, it's never, it's never the famous, it's never the stars. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, there was a lady from Armagh called Vera McGee, who's mm -hmm. stuck in my mind uh -huh. because of what she went through. I mean, her story was written actually by another lady who used to get in touch with me about stories, people she met, a lady called Pamela Ray, mm -hmm. who wrote great books about people that she met. And she told me the story of Vera McGee. And Vera basically went through the war in France. She was sent as a 16 year old in 1937, 38 to be a, a nanny mm -hmm. in France and literally sent on the back of the milk cart, put in a train, uh, just everything she went through. She was, because she had an Irish passport, she had to report to the Gestapo, went because she was in occupied France. Then General Patton's troops yeah. came in. Uh, she was then acting as a translator mm -hmm. for the Americans. And it was the interrogations of the railway staff that she translated about the death trains had gone through the railway stations and what everything that she had seen as a teenager oh, into her early 20s through the war. She went to Strasbourg afterwards, worked for the British Council, came back to Northern Ireland in her 80s and couldn't understand why nobody would give her a mortgage. <laughs> I mean, she was just fabulous. That, those are the yeah. sort of people. I mean, yeah. And I interviewed her, must be 20 plus years ago. And she's stuck in my head. See that, it, because it's a real story. Yeah. It's not. I don't mean superstars are not real. They no. are. But uh, for you to be, you know, interviewing people for that long length of time and that still is in your head. Yeah. That meant something to you. And Which, she flirted outrageously with my cameraman. It was yeah. perfect. She and was brilliant. I, I would say it also stuck in a lot of people's heads who were listening as well. Yeah. Because it's a per, it's a personal, very mm. people orientated. It's not. You know, I became a multi-millionaire, all that stuff. No. It was normal, it was natural, okay. Pam, you're very excited when you're talking, you're very uh, motivational. Uh, what drives you? What, what really gets you up in the morning to say, right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing an interview with whoever well, this morning? Or? Well, well you know, my family uh, would say that I can be a right miserable guest when I want to be, but I think we all can. I genuinely enjoy what I do. I, my mum always used to say, it's not that you're nosy, you just like to know everything. <laughs> and I really enjoy meeting people. Yes. Um, my dad instilled a great work ethic in me. He, was, he would have been an inspiration to me. Dad was born in 1921. Mm -hmm. His father was gassed in the First World War. He had an older sister and um, his mum. So the father, while he was still alive, he was, he was fairly disabled. And anyway, dad went out to work at the age of 14 as a tea boy yeah. in Cantrell and Cochrane and retired as chairman. Boys. Uh, so he's, 
you know, he instilled a work ethic in me and the yeah. stories that mum told about her and dad getting together and because um, he came from you know, his, his father was a riveter in the shipyard yeah. my mum came from a very well to do family yes so just the stories of the how the oh. pair of them got together and but my dad's work ethic and uh-huh. you know every pound was a prisoner as every far as my father was concerned as well <laughs> so it was it was that you, you, we were taught the value of, of of a penny yeah when we were growing up and it's, I've always had that sort of, With you know, it. if you want something, you've got to work for it. Exactly. And it reminds me very much of myself, actually, just to say this. My mother was a big inspiration to me. Yeah. In fact, as you know, the company's called Beckett Handlin. And Beckett's my father's name, and Handlin's my mother's maiden name. Mum always said one thing to me, Drew, you never lose by giving. Mm-hmm. and always do the right thing by your client and they'll come back to you again and again and again. And that's kind of things that stick to you when you're oh, 12 absolutely. years of age, 10 years yeah. of age, 15. And I think so many people forget that in business. You know, there are times when, for example, the times we're going through at the moment are yeah. unprecedented. I know that's been said so many times. Yeah. But customer satisfaction and customer c- kindness, You know, Correct. if somebody hasn't been able to keep up a payment or something or other. Yeah. You you rather than cut them off at the knees. Yeah. Then they'll go. You know what? Drew treated me with respect yeah. during that time. Yeah. And I'll come back to him when yeah. things are better. And I I'm a great believer in karma and what you put out you get back. Yeah. Well, I I certainly believe that myself because uh, a lot of times I ask people I have a word which is called can you help me? Okay. Uh, but I help some people as well. So mm-hmm. it, it does come back to you and uh, you know. Listen to you speaking on the radio and TV and your, your show, the Pamela show, was very, very interesting. And uh, do you ever get afraid when you're on TV or nervous or... Oh, you, you gosh, know, what, yes. What? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's a bit like you meeting a new client. You don't know what's in store. You don't know what they're going to be. You know, and it's always, you've got to have that adrenaline. Uh-huh. And, you know, there are days when you go, go into work and you just think, oh, this is going to be a doddle today. That's when it all goes pear-shaped. Correct. Exactly. And it's exactly the same. I mean, I write everything down. I have, I have my questions. You'll see me sitting in the studio yeah. and I have a card with my questions. Yeah. I have everybody's, whoever I'm interviewing, I could have been interviewing my mother or the Queen. I yeah. would have written down mum on the card yeah. or the Queen. Because your brain has this knack of playing tricks on you and you suddenly go, I can't remember who I am. Yeah. Never mind who I'm talking to. That's kind of happening to me at the minute, but anyway. <laughs> No, you've got to you've got to have that adrenaline, and you've got to have the nerves, and you learn. I mean, I remember doing a radio program. It was a phone-in program at night, and because I love horses, and it, they decided they wanted to do a half-hour phone-in about equine welfare problems with horses, and we had vets experts in the studio. Not one person rang in. <laughs> but you knew all about that. No, but but I also I hadn't prepared. Yeah. I had assumed people would phone in. Yes, yes. Never assume. Always have the backup questions there and I, the sweat I to this day never forget the sweat running down the shock as they say yeah well I remember asking you to do this for me and you said you would but I do remember speaking to you a few weeks previous to that and you were on holiday yes and you said I'm going to Costa del Sol I'm taking time off I do it every year and I want to enjoy myself so had you a good time out there I had a ball and it was you know, I know a lot of people have been it's quite scathing about people like me, who availed of my holiday. Yeah. And I get that, totally. But I followed the rules, regulations. I have to say, every, from the airport to the plane, 
to everything was so well maintained and, yeah. and carried out. The Spanish people, they've got, they went through horrendous lockdown. Yeah. I mean, we thought lockdown for us was bad, but the Spaniards, they, you, you live in an apartment, you are not allowed out of that yeah, apartment. Exactly, that's right. And it was, it was tough for them. So they don't want, didn't want to see it coming back. We wore masks from the minute you walked out the door to go, even just going for a walk, you yeah. wore a mask. Mm -hmm. You had your temperatures taken in restaurants, you had hand sanitizers yeah. everywhere. And people were respectful. But do you know what? Just I know we have fabulous weather here from April, May, June through yeah. lockdown. But it was just lovely looking at another set of four walls. <laughs> the, the four walls at home that I'd been looking at, I'd got really fed up looking at. So it was <laughs> nice to look at another set of four walls. And I just did. I had all these intentions. I was going to go for days out up into the mountains. I'm going to do this, do that. I did nothing. But sometimes that's the right way. Yeah. I read 14 or 15 books in four weeks. Boys, that's, that's a lot. And that's yeah. me. And it was pretty much you know, one book every two days. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's how I just escapism. You see, that, that's quite similar to the people we would do business with, you know, yeah. people who buy property. Uh, one of the greatest things I think we ask a client <clears throat> is tell me, why do you want to buy the property? Because it's not to have another building, it's not to have another four walls, it's the lifestyle that mm. that provides. Now, okay, the lifestyle maybe wasn't as much as you thought because of what's happening, but you've been in holiday many times and to Spain many times, me and you spoke about this. And, uh, you know, when you, when you hear a client or a person coming back, somebody who's bought from you and said, I'm really glad to have bought that property because I had a ball, I had a great time. I actually go every weekend now to it, I come back on a Sunday. I'm totally motivated to start my job again. That's the type of clients we like to help in oh, back at hand. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to make the most of it and of what you've got as, as well. I mean, I had, had rented an apartment and I've, the plan was, I did the same last year. I only have, have one day's work in July. It's a quiet time. Yep. And uh, so I have friends who come out at different times and to stay. But of course, this year wasn't as, you know, as, as easy for people to come out. So I was there on my own quite a lot. And I'm, you know, I'm very good in my own company. I've right. got used to my own company in the past nearly 62 years. Yeah. And it's absolutely fine just not going out, you know, sitting and doing your own thing. I yeah. mean, to have the joy of sitting on a balcony, mm -hmm. watching a pod of whatever, shoal of, of dolphins yeah. leaping in the sea off while sipping an exceptionally large gin and tonic was, was just perfect. And yes, they were there. I saw the dolphins before I had the gin and tonic, so I wasn't imagining things. But And then, of course, I had to quarantine when I came home. Yes. But you, you've got to do it. I you, remember you yeah. said to me, actually, yeah. when I spoke to you on the phone, I, I don't worry about coming back 14 days because I'm going to enjoy myself yeah. and have a good time. So you're the type of person who really lives life to the full in my opinion you like to do you work hard you mm -hmm. definitely work hard and one of the things you said very interesting you don't get nothing you have to put time and effort into it and you know you know yourself that we just opened this office two weeks before we were locked out in fact you were the person that opened uh -huh. the office so tell us a little bit about that at that evening that i mean that was it was a lovely evening because there were actually you know we we know northern ireland's a village and uh, you and I had spoken about you know, how you know, we both we both love the sun. We love properties yeah. away, and I mean my my TV porn is watching Place in the Sun, New Life in the Sun, all those things. I just crucify myself watching these things. Like, oh, yeah. I wish I was there. But the number of people who were here that night, and it was a lovely, it was a celebratory night, which Correct. was so lovely. 
because your family were here too and the work that you've put in to get to here was, mm -hmm. was testament and the, then the people that you work with yeah um the clients that you also have yeah. you know, it was lovely just hearing all the stories mm -hmm. of how they have developed through yeah. Beckett Hanlon yeah. um, and you've developed the company through their work and uh -huh. the friendships that you've made too yeah. through them and, and there were faces that I've known for years yes. who were here going oh my god what are you doing here and they were part of it exactly they were yeah. part of it yeah because I, I said to you that evening before you left I said one of these days you're going to be the face of Beckett Hanlon and you said I'm not sure yeah. so this is why I'm well, you see, when, when you give me my apartment out in Spain, yes. <laughs> then, then you will be sure. <laughs> well, we have to try and arrange something. That, uh -huh. That's what we do have to do, because you've been very good to me as well, and uh, hopefully we can get something for you at some stage. Uh, one question I want to ask you. You were telling me that you were going to be doing a show for UTV in New York. Did that come off? We went to New York. Right. Yeah. Um, we have filmed two programmes. Lovely. Which have not seen the light of day yet because we landed back into Dublin Airport 4.30 in the morning of the 12th of March. That's why I'm mentioning that time. While we were in the air, the cabin crew found out that Donald Trump had closed America to flights coming in from Europe. Now they hadn't, Ireland and UK were exempt at that stage. Yeah. So we landed back in and we were the first flights to land in from 4.30 in the morning. The last one landed, I think at five. But what was quite interesting was as we land, we were the first one, because we had all our camera equipment, it took a while to get through customs and, yeah. and, and all that. They were setting up the, the COVID-19 picnic table with leaflets. Right. But there were posters everywhere, mm -hmm. warning of swine flu. But the, the table had set up with all the information about uh, COVID-19, just as the last person was leaving the yeah. arrivals. So it was, it, it was really strange, because when we were in New York, I've been going to New York for years, and it's a city I just love. Oh, yeah. The people there, some of our interviewees cancelled on us, because they wanted to get out of the city, they wanted to go to their houses out in you know well away from population and i i have to admit i feel so guilty now because i we were sitting like, oh for god's sake they're overreacting this is ridiculous yes yes and then while i was in new york events that i was supposed to be hosting back at home you know the following week the following mm -hmm. month were being cancelled and i was going oh, this is ridiculous who knew that the following week you know st paddy's day was the following that's week. Right. yeah and that was pretty much the you know the there start. wasn't even a last hurrah you know we we were yeah. we were put put into lockdown then the follow the week we landed back now touch wood thankfully it was myself my producer and the cameraman the three of us were fine because yeah. we were on a busy Aer Lingus flight yes. um going through JFK you know, nobody was wearing masks at that mm -hmm. stage we were meeting interviewees and we were in bars and restaurants that was the nature of the program that we were doing yeah hugging and you know oh, yeah. great to see you and how we didn't come back with something we had yeah. no idea and none of you did none of us did that's good uh, which was was tremendous but we had an absolutely superb time the program has the two programs have been edited but because I'm furloughed, I haven't been able to go in and put my voice on it. Right. So the, our, the building that UTV is now in, is it's a, we're on the eighth floor mm -hmm. of City Keys 2. So there's a lot of office people in 
the building. So they're trying to keep the numbers down, down for people yeah. going to the building. So I have no idea when this programme is going to see the light of day, but hopefully... But, but it's coming out. It, it's coming out. Okay. And we were so lucky. The temperature in March, beginning of March in New York, was yeah. 23 degrees. The sun was splitting Brilliant. the trees. I love New York myself. I mean, I've been many times. Uh, you may know of a son who's a uh -huh. drummer, and he lived in New York for 21 years. So I used to be back and forward. had an apartment out there, and we lived out there for a little while. Uh, I love it for music. It's yeah. There's a great buzz about the whole thing, which is leading me on to a little thing that no one knows yet. Right. But you're going you're to starting a band, are you? I, I'm, going back, <laughs> I'm going back into music again. Exactly. The Beckett Hamlins. The Beckett Hamlin band. <laughs> now, I think my son would show me up. He, he is a real good drummer. Well, Pamela, just to, to wind this up, this uh, podcast, this is, I think, the seventh podcast we did. And it's to people like yourself, people who run big companies. It's really not just about back at Hannon, it's about their journey, how they got from where they were. You started off at 17 or 19, you said, and now you're still in the business. A lot of people don't last that long. So there's a reason why people don't last that long. So why have you lasted that long? Well, I'm, I'm a great believer in luck. Yeah. I have been a very lucky person being right place, right time. But somebody also said to me, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Exactly. Um, my first programme that I presented in UTV just happened to be, I was walking past one of the boss's offices as the presenter had told him she was pregnant and going off maternity leave. And he mm -hmm. was going, who are we going to get to do Farming Ulster now? And I walked past his door and he went, oh. So that's how the programme making started. Yeah. So I think you've got to make the most of what comes your way correct and um, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty don't be af i've always been somebody i never want to look back and go i wish no i have taken most of the opportunities that come my way mm -hmm. they haven't all worked out no. some of them have been absolute bloody disasters um but the majority of things have when i was made redundant ten and a half years ago from utv but they kept me on on the freelance mm -hmm. team that then developed into more work, more work, to, until you know, six years ago, UTV Life came back on air. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I work for UTV one day a week to do the programme, or just whenever the work requires. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been very lucky that I also, you know, there, there were other people that you know, can look at things in different ways. And I looked upon the redundancy, I was devastated at the time, but it was another opportunity and opened more doors mm -hmm. for what I could do. Um, you know, I will be eternally grateful for all the opportunities that came my way that gave me a shop window. For example, I had my column in the Telegraph. Mm -hmm. It was a great shop window, still on UTV doing the weather. I mean, my mum said she was fed up with people coming up to her and going, I thought Pamela didn't work there anymore. She's still on the telly. Yeah. Never fall out with anybody. Correct. Life's far too short. Correct. Northern Ireland's far too small. Exactly. Don't burn your bridges. Don't burn your... Well, Pamela, <laughs> thanks for, for uh, chatting with me. I know you're really, and uh, I really appreciate you coming in. And it's been great seeing you again. You're looking fantastic. And uh, may you have many, many more years on radio, TV, and whatever else comes your way. Do thank you very much indeed. And the very best of luck. And, of course, everything that's uh, going on with Beckett Hamlin. And we'll see you selling millions. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> What a fantastic conversation with Pamela. 
I love having her on the podcast, sharing her story. One thing that changed through Pamela is her work ethic. What a good work ethic means to me is being able to get up in the morning and realize that you have to do something. There's an awful lot of people who's got a lot of talent, but they don't put a lot of work behind their talent. And what I've found in life, in my own business, in my own career, is that you have to work at it. But you have to enjoy working at it. So it doesn't become a bore or a chore. It means that when you work at something that you enjoy, it becomes actually not like work, it's very enjoyable.